welcome to Bouncing Back, a podcast about conversations that transform lives. Kathy, today's host, will be speaking with Matt, who will share his story as a speech pathologist. Over to you, Kathy. Hi, I'm Kathy, and welcome to the Independent Rehab Services, aka IRS, podcast series. Today, we're here at the busy IRS offices where we'll be chatting with one of our speech pathologists, the talented Matthew Fong. Matt started with us as a new grad at the beginning of the year. And today we'll be finding out more about his daily life working as a speech pathologist in the community. How are you going, Maddie? Yeah, good. Thanks for introducing me, Cathy. <laughs> so, um, well, I did mention in the intro that you've, you've just graduated as, as a speech pathologist. Um, how did you come to choose that as a profession? Mm, so my background was actually in psychology and linguistics. Mm-hmm. And when I first finished high school... I honestly had no idea what a speech pathologist was. This is a recurring theme. (laughs) Yeah, we don't seem to know what we're getting into. Um, But I thought I wanted to be like a writer or a psychologist. Mm -hmm. And it actually took a bit of reflection Mm -hmm. for me to realise, well, why was I interested in those professions? Okay. And it was because I really enjoyed listening to people's stories and helping them make sense of their lives. So, you know, one day I find myself in this neuroscience lecture Mm -hmm. and I'm learning about this disorder called aphasia, Mm -hmm. which is where the language centers in the brain are damaged. So people might have difficulty with reading, writing, speaking or understanding what people have said, comprehension. And I just remember sitting there and thinking that, you know, wow, this stuff is so, so fascinating but it must be so isolating and devastating for Mm. these people to not be able to communicate. Um, And so really it was that class that led me to research, well, what can be done to help people with aphasia? Mm -hmm. And that led me to finding this great profession called speech pathology. Well, you're kind of like an uber speech pathologist then too, aren't you, with the the psychology background? I wouldn't quite say uber, but it's (laughs) definitely helped me in my practice because I think psychology is just one of those things that you can incorporate into your daily life just to help you understand people better. Yeah, and so is, is um, working with people who have aphasia kind of one of the main um, uh, tasks that you do on a daily basis? I'd say so. I'd say that speech pathology involves a lot of different areas, but mm-hmm. one of my favourite areas that I enjoy is working with people with aphasia. Can I ask a little bit further about that then? What, what are some of the things that you would do with clients with that condition? Mm. So it depends really on what their goals are. So Mm -hmm. as a speech pathologist working in the community, we really try to tailor our therapy towards what they want to work on, meaningful goals. So as I said, it might be, you know, that they can't read after their brain injury. And so they might have the goal of wanting to read to their grandchildren. Mm -hmm. So we'd work on letter sound correspondence and and working on reading a children's book, for example. Okay. And, and um, what other um, areas of practice or what other kinds of conditions would you come across in your daily life? Mm. How much time do we have? It's... We've got a bit. <laughs> okay. Um, so I guess speech pathologists on a daily basis, we might see someone who has difficulty speaking mm-hmm. and that might be because the muscles in their mouth are weak. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned, we might work with people with aphasia and that if we're looking at language that might also include people who have difficulties with social skills Mm -hmm. so they might understand what they're saying Mm -hmm. but can they use it in a functional setting according to social rules and can they change their communication based on different situations Mm -hmm. Um, swallowing is another big area that we work in and often people don't know that so we might prescribe um, certain consistencies and help people regain their swallowing ability after a brain injury 
So it is more than speech then. It it's, is. It's the whole like anatomy and of, of the the throat, I suppose, and the mouth that you would, and the brain, obviously, as well, you've mentioned several times. Absolutely. I think yeah. the, the title speech pathologist is a bit misleading. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, we've got some more specialized areas like working with clients who have voice issues. So often we can get referrals from singers who, because of, you know, some strain on their vocal folds, mm-hmm. they might sound a bit more hoarse or a bit, you know, lower pitched. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess when people think of speech pathology, they often think of stuttering. Yeah. So that's, that's another big area that we work in. Um, and I guess another cool area is that we also prescribe communication aids and devices. I was going to say, I've seen a few of your toys about the office. Oh, they're, they're, they're quite. <laughs> what are some of the, um, the communication aids that you would use with clients typically? Mm, so I guess for those who don't know what I'm talking about, if, you, if you've heard Stephen Hawking talk, he's using a communication device. Um, so it can be something as high tech as as that, like a computer system that generates a voice. Mm-hmm. Or for some people it might just be like a low tech piece of paper and they can point to different options. It might just say yes or no, mm-hmm. and they can point to that to communicate. Mm. So it, yeah, it sounds like you, you take a whole range of tools and other strategies to, to help people communicate in all sorts of different ways. Absolutely. It must think, be very rewarding. Oh, it is. It's one of the greatest parts of the job, being able to you know help individuals with different communication needs mm. just communicate and connect with other people yeah because because i would imagine too the the types of clients that um irs typically deal with have had in some cases horrendous injuries um or illnesses that can really impact on their communication and um it's not until those things happen that you really recognize how big a deal communication is no, in your right. life <laughs> that's absolutely right kathy yeah, no, you're kind of inspiring me to go back to uni, man. <laughs> um, is there a particular um, client or um, you know story that you have that um, has it has been memorable for you that you might want to share today? Mm, I do have one story, and I've mm. asked my client to for their consent for me mm. to share that, and they're happy to. Um, so for this client, they had the goal that they wanted to find a job and be employed. And so unfortunately, because of their brain injury, this client had a lot of difficulty expressing himself. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, he went on a job interview earlier in the year and he received the feedback that he just couldn't answer the questions. Okay. You know, he would often answer, oh, I'm not sure, or I don't know, instead of trying to work through the question and, and come up with an answer. So he had that trouble getting his thoughts together. Yeah, that yeah. idea generation, I guess mm-hmm. you could call it. Um, and so I worked quite closely with him on interview skills and practicing answering common interview questions. Mm-hmm. And so what I'd done is I'd even recorded myself asking him these questions on his phone. Oh, fantastic. And just giving him this like 30 second gap mm-hmm. for him to answer to the recording. Um, and so, you know, even though we practiced so much and we wrote down everything that he wanted to say, as soon as he took away that script, he would just forget and revert back to, I don't know, or I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what we did is we came up with these techniques to help him remember his responses. Mm -hmm. And one of the most memorable ones that I can remember is his response to the question, what are your strengths? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's quite a common question. Mm -hmm. And what he wanted to say was, I'm happy, helpful, and on time. Mm -hmm. Seems easy enough, but every time I asked that question, he would 
immediately go back to, oh, I can't remember. Okay. And so what we did was we came up with this mnemonic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm so, familiar with that, but yeah, we might so need to explain I'll give that a you little an bit. Example. <laughs> so happy, helpful, and on time. Mm -hmm. You take the first letter of each of those words mm -hmm. and you get HH and OT, on time. Mm -hmm. So every time I would ask him, what are your strengths? He would just give the biggest, cheekiest smile and he'd answer, I'm hot. <laughs> My biggest strength is that I I'm see. hot. Um, and it was funny because that's all he, he'd remember. He'd just say, I'm hot and forget what it stood for. It stood for, for you. <laughs> and so it was so you actually, were the first step along the way. Then. Yeah, at least he remembered that. <laughs> yeah. um, and of course, we worked really hard to, for him to remember what that stood for. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is one of my favorite moments because I think it just showcases how much fun it can be to be a speech pathologist and how much creativity and problem solving you use on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, you can have a huge impact on people's lives. For sure. And um, you mentioned strengths then. What do you feel are your strengths as a, as a speech pathologist? I would say inventive might be one mm, of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I plagiarise my client, I could say I'm a hot speech pathologist, <laughs> happy, helpful and on time. Um, but no, I think... Well, they're good qualities. I'm sure yeah, clients would love that. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my greatest strengths is that I'm a naturally reflective type of person. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a great strength to have because it means that I'm constantly thinking you know, what's working well in this session mm -hmm. and what might be improved for next session. Mm -hmm. So not only does that make me improve who I am as a clinician, but it also helps improve the services that I'm providing. Yeah, sure. So that um, focus on, on a quality service for, for, for our clients is, is one of your big drivers. Absolutely. I think it's something that really motivates me to, to constantly want to improve and update my skills. Yeah, fantastic. And... Um, you, I know you're you're very new to this profession, um, but seems like you're well on your way to becoming a very skilled clinician. Um, but ha has there been any any hurdles or any um, difficulties that you've faced so far that you might want to share? Mm, that's a really really good question, Kathy. Um, I would say that one of the biggest hurdles that I've had to face is just trying to keep up to date with the latest evidence base. Um, I think, especially in speech pathology, which is quite a new discipline, mm -hmm. um, that the evidence base for treatments and what's considered best practice is just always evolving. Yeah. And it can be quite tricky to stay on top of that. Um, I also think that there's a bit of a gap between you know, what's considered best practice in research and trying to translate that into practice. Yeah. So just because you know, a, research is, a research study has shown that this works in these specific situations, mm -hmm. you might have a client who doesn't exactly meet that criteria and you really have to figure out, you know, is this going to work? Is it not? I can understand that. Yeah. So those environmental factors that influence how you might approach a problem with a client, you know, so it may have been shown in a hospital setting perhaps that something works, but you try and take that into someone's house may not be the case. That's exactly it. And I think, you know, that's mm -hmm. an issue that's not specific to speech pathology, but mm -hmm. to all of medicine and allied health. Yeah. And I, and I think um, that also raises the, the question, Matt, and, and um, can I get you to um, elaborate on working at IRS, you're on the road all the time and encountering all sorts of different situations in different places with clients. Um, what... Um, things have you come across that have been unexpected and how have you um, dealt with those? Mm, I think one of the most unexpected things about this role is that 
sometimes I feel like I'm not just a speech pathologist. So you might come across a client who is having a mental health crisis and then you have to put on another cap of how you're going to support this client to manage that. Um, but I think the great thing about working at IRS is that everyone is just so supportive. Mm -hmm. And so even though, you know, you might not be an occupational therapist or a physiotherapist, you can still talk to other members of the team and, and get their idea, yep. their ideas about, you know, what should I do in this situation? Mm. And that brings us to kind of one of the, the final things I wanted to ask you about it is around that collaboration that you have with the team. Um, because often here at IRS, we do work independently on our own, but sometimes, you know, we may um, have joint sessions with other professions. Um, has that been something that you've encountered in your in your first, um, in, sorry, in the first six months or so of um, your time working here? Oh, definitely. I think that's been one of the greatest things about working at IRS and working in a multidisciplinary team. It's that you really get to work together and support one another to help clients reach their goals. Mm -hmm. So for example, you know, a client's goal might be that they want to return to work. And so you've got physios working on mobility and strengthening to make sure that they're fit enough to go back to work. You've got an OT who might be working on driving or public transport training or fatigue management. Um, and you might have a speech pathologist who works on writing skills or computer literacy to help the client you know, use a computer again. Mm. And I think what's great about that is that, as you mentioned, even though we're all kind of working separately, if you think about it, we're all working on the same goal yeah. of getting back to work. But and in the, the client's unique environment as well. That's right. And it's just a different perspective. And I love being able to collaborate and talk to people who have different perspectives of how to help mm. this client reach their goal. So it sounds to me that you also um, take something from the interactions that you have with the team, with the client, as well as providing something to, to both of those um, entities as well. Absolutely, this, this job is so much about give and take and you mm -hmm. just learn something from everyone you meet. Um, I think as speech pathologists, we're really privileged because we, we often do work so closely with OTs and, and neuropsychologists in particular, mm -hmm. just because things like um, memory and, and verbal reasoning, those things overlap between those disciplines so much. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights into the life of a speech pathologist. Oh, it's a pleasure. And all the best with the rest of your time at IRS and, and career. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Bouncing Back.